Welcome back to In Bed with Lisa. Today, I'm delighted to be sharing a lady who has a special skill set. Her name is Alice Child. She is a certified somatic sexologist, sex educator, and coach. She is joining us all the way from Australia. Good morning, Alice. Good morning, Lisa. It's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. And in fact, it's not morning for you at all. It is the afternoon. <laughs> it is, it is. And I'm very used to adapting to all over the world. And we established before we started that we're actually both originally from the UK, but here we are in the Southern Hemisphere. How are you enjoying this winter? Ah, oh, it's actually beautiful winter here in Australia. It's a beautiful sunny day today. We haven't had um, not much rain or cold weather, to be honest, yet. So it's pretty, pretty nice, especially nice being English. Nice. I gravitate towards the sunshine whenever I can get it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, good. Well, I'm glad to see you here and glad to see you're enjoying Australia. It's somewhere I have yet to visit. But today I wanted to bring you on because you specialize in something that I think a lot of people wouldn't know what it is when they hear me say you're a somatic sexologist. I wonder if you could just explain a little bit about what that is. What is somatic sexology and how is that different from sex therapy or counseling, for example? Yeah, absolutely. It's a question I get a lot. So sexology or someone who defines themselves as a sexologist, they've usually done a lot of study in the field of human sexuality. So it's usually a combination between um, psychology and psychosexuality, as well as you know what's going on in the body and the nervous system when it comes to arousal and desire, uh, and anatomically as well. Um, and the somatic side of things is really anything. Somatics means anything about the mind-body connection. Um, so that means that my practices often have a lot of mindfulness um, or elements that are all about listening to the body and listening to the signals that your body are sending you rather than seeing your body and your mind as two completely separate things. Mm, so it's more of a holistic way of looking at human sexology. Absolutely. Mm. And it's about how to not just use your mind to turn you on, because yes, your brain, the brain is the biggest erotic organ of the human body, but also how to use your body to help turn you on and how to listen to your body as well. Amazing. So how did you first discover this field of somatic sexology and what drew you into that kind of practice? Yeah, there's this institute over here in Australia called the Institute of Somatic Sexology. And it was the first time that I had heard about this particular field of sexology as well. And that holistic approach really appealed to me. Um, and so many of the concerns or the issues that people present with when it comes to sexuality is often due to a lack of disconnection between the mind and the body um, and not being able to drop into their body or being distracted and hijacked by their brain during sex. You know, all of their thoughts and their busy mental world getting in the way and preventing them from being able to actually drop in and enjoy the moment and stay with their pleasure. So the more I learned about it, the, the more interested in it I became. Um, and I've always been fascinated in human sexuality. Um, and when I heard about somatics, it just felt like the right, the right avenue for me. Mm, I love it. I love it. It makes sense because like you said, we often get so stuck in our brain where actually all of the action is happening in the body and the body has its own mm. wisdom. So it's just like reshifting that kind of focus, isn't it? Because we, I, I've heard somebody say that we tend to live like from the shoulders up or from the neck up. We just kind mm. of prioritize the brain above everything else. 
Exactly. You work with couples and individuals and groups. I don't, I'm not sure if you work with groups as well, but what are the most common issues that people tend to come to you with? If, they, if they're looking for help, then what do they come to a somatic sexologist for? Gosh, it's so broad. It's so, so broad. There's no such thing as a typical day in the life of a sex educator <laughs> or a sex counselor or a sex coach um, because, yeah, humans are so complex and diverse and there's no such thing as normal when it comes to sex and bodies and relationships. So what people come with me for is really very different. Some people, you know, I'm also an educator, so some sessions really feel like a sex education class because they're here to really learn a very specific skill. They want to know about a very specific thing. Others feel more like counseling. It's really emotional issues that are mm-hmm. um, presenting for them with their sex life. And so it's, you know, having to hold a lot more gentleness um, yeah. for those for those clients. Um, and sometimes it's a bit of a fusion of everything to work out what these people are needing. Um, so common things that I'm presented with. So yeah, I do work a lot with couples. So with couples, some really common themes are things like mismatched libido or sex drive changes and desire changes over life, whether that's with children or menopause or, you know, just changing dynamics in a relationship and not knowing and having the, not having the right tools to navigate that and needing a little bit of support. Um, and with individual solo women, uh, it's often yeah, around desire and libido, um, but also as well, um, a lot of older women come to me almost experiencing their sexual enlightenment and their sexual renaissance years, which is really exciting. I love working with those those clients and helping them navigate that journey out of sexual shame and um, silencing. And with men, it tends to be more concern focused. So, you know, I've experienced erectile difficulty or premature ejaculation or something specific has happened and, you know, I want the tools to know how to navigate mm-hmm. it um, because often people come to me and they say, I know that this is psychological, I know this is emotional, I've seen my GP, I've seen, you know, I've had it physically checked, but I don't know what, where to turn next. Um, and so it's giving them some power back and giving them some tools to help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it can be completely varied. And I'm interested to know, with somatic um, sexology being about the body, then is there any body work? Do you, is it a no-touch therapy? Like, how does how does that work? Yeah, it's a great question. So I personally don't offer any touch-based uh, therapy for my clients, but I have been trained. It's called sexological body work. It is a touch-based educational modality to help people learn more about their body, you know, overcome certain um, reactions in their body or scripts or cycles that happen when they're experiencing pleasure or talking about these topics and mm. they just don't know how to do it on their own. And so, yes, there is a touch-based modality of of somatic sexology. I personally don't practice it. I do talk-based and I teach micro skills. So, for example, Mm -hmm. I might coach different breath work, you know, breath techniques, you know, movement techniques, uh, pelvic floor exercises, touch-based techniques, mindfulness, body scans, that sort of thing in session and then I set home play so these people can go and take whatever little micro skill I've taught and apply it in their sex life or in their relationship in some way um, and come back with any learnings of like what went well what didn't what they want to try next so yeah it's, it's individual for the practitioner. 
Okay, fantastic. So you're giving them the skills so that they can access those certain things in their body and get into their body and reconnect, but they are doing it separately. Anything that people can do to get into their bodies is beneficial when it comes to, to sex. And I can imagine it really helps with pleasure. So could you tell us a little bit about that? How does somatic sexology help people with their, in their relationship with pleasure and accessing pleasure? Mm. obviously you know so much of sex is about what you feel you know what's actually your body is actually feeling and so as I said before so often we get stuck in our head or we become very reliant on our head to turn us on so with certain fantasies or with visual stimulation like porn um, and often you know that's and those are really useful erotic tools but it means that over time we're less able to actually pay attention and to notice what our body is experiencing and actually feel more and the more you pay attention, the more you feel. So even if you just do a simple exercise of three minutes, it's an amazing exercise that a sex educator called Betty Martin uh, developed. It's called the Awakening Hands. If you spend three minutes just focusing all of your attention on your hands and exploring your hands, your hands will become more sensitive. You'll you know, experience tingling up and down your arms. Suddenly you'll feel a lot more present and in your body. And it's tools like that that I teach people to help them feel more, to build arousal, to build blood flow, to focus sensation where they want it in their body instead of just in, in the mind. Mm, I love it. I love that idea. Yeah, the three minutes of hand awakening. It's incredible yeah. when we really bring our focus to the body or like allow the body to do its thing. Like, What, what are your thoughts on performative sex you know when we kind of try to act like we see in the movies or in porn compared with when we just let the body do its thing like it's difficult for people to mm. let go in that way but what are the benefits of doing that and how can we start doing that yeah it's such a good question um because you're right and sometimes you're doing performative sex without even realizing that you are um, a big one is breathing, for example. So because of how modeled breathing is in porn or in films, you know, to breathe, you know, like a porn star, like, ah, ah, ah. what you're doing then if you mimic that breathing is you're doing really shallow breaths that actually aren't giving the oxygen and the, you know, the flow to your body that would build more full-bodied orgasmic experiences. Mm. So instead, if you, you know, breathe more deeply or you do that, more uh, deep breathing you're more likely to build pleasure in a really different way same with things like movement if you allow your body to move rather than tense all your muscles and just sort of fixate on getting to orgasm and tense everything up really really still again you're not encouraging that sort of flow of the pleasure um so there's lots of things that people do completely subconsciously um when it comes to sex which is actually limiting or you know limiting their ability to feel to feel more and it's often because of scripts that we've seen in porn or in films and yeah you're right it doesn't lead to the most surrendered uh, of experiences so if you're wanting to give it a go some tips that I would give people listening at home is yeah try noticing what you're doing with your breath and if you're holding your breath or you're breathing really shallowly try instead to fill your body with more air and see if you feel more. I'd also notice what you're doing with your movement. Are you super still? Are you super tensed? Can you add more fluidity to your movement, especially in your pelvis? Things like rocking your hips or clenching and releasing your pelvic floor. Um, and I'd also start making some noise. A lot of people um, 
stay really silent or feel like they have to be really quiet during sex because of shame or because of the fear of being overheard. Um, and even if you do make noise, it's often super gendered. So women feel like they have to make a certain noise to sound sexy and men feel they have to sort of make a certain grunting noise to sound sexy. And it's often not an authentic expression of what you want to sound, you know, of what noise you want to make to to enjoy yourself. And just like being able to sigh when you're feeling relaxed helps you feel more relaxed. Mm-hmm. Being able to mm-hmm. express your voice when you feel pleasure will help you feel more pleasure. Um, and if all of that sounds really alarming, like moving and breathing and making all of this noise, then put on some music as well, because that mm-hmm. is a really great way of dropping in um, and keeping your presence, staying in the moment. Um, and giving your body something to move to without feeling as self-conscious. So music is a really, really great tool as well. Wow, that is such a great tip and so doable. There's no doubt about it. When you put on music that you enjoy, your body is going to naturally connect with that. If you're in the moment, you're there, you're being intimate and the music is feeling good, then yes, you can move into that rhythm, You know, the rhythm that feels good rather than this kind of like you said, the script. It's so funny that we follow a script. You know, we often don't even think about it and we start going into that porn star. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It can be transformational just to actually breathe how you need to breathe, you know? But mm. my kids always say to me, I think they learned this on TikTok, but if you start to think about how you pr- breathe, then it suddenly becomes awkward. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So maybe it takes yeah. a little bit of practice. It really does. It really does. And that's what masturbation is for. You know, that's our practice zone. We can do all of these things without the fear of looking silly when we're on our own. And instead, we can just feel how amazing it is to move authentically, sound authentically, yeah. you know, express ourselves authentically on our own. And once we've started to practice it on our own, it's much easier to then apply that in a partnered situation as well. Yes. Oh my gosh, you're bringing all the tips. So music and masturbation practice with those two things. I think that can be a phenomenal transformation. Oh, okay. So let's talk about sex tech. So what are your thoughts on all of the, the toys that are available and like other like online platforms and things like that? How do they fit in with somatic sexology? Are they tools that can be used to, you know, to help people in their intimate relationships? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of sex tech uh, for lots of different reasons. I think it's fantastic that it's bringing more openness to these conversations. There's so much silence and taboo and shame and awkwardness and still surround topics of sex and the way that that impacts individuals and relationships is just so, so tragic. Um, And so anything that's helping bringing more uh, shining a light onto these conversations and making them more normal is to be celebrated and shouted from the rooftops and sex tech is one of those things that's forcing people to have the conversation which is fantastic um, also all of the products that are coming out it's just amazing to see the innovation and the funding and the ingenuity that's going into this industry now they're such truly beautiful and incredible products that you'd be proud to own and have on your nightstand as opposed mm. to, you know, historically all funded by the porn industry and were all marketed in a very, you know, a very uh, singular way. Whereas now there are lots of different products for lots of different bodies doing lots of different things. Um, so I'm a huge, huge fan. 
I think you hear a lot about people, you know, getting addicted to their vibrator and things like that. Um, you know, obviously there's, there's, you know, you can't get physically addicted to a vibrator. Um, and there's also no evidence to show, you know, that you can desensitize yourself either from a vibrator. So I think there's often a lot of misinformation that goes up, goes around about sex toys and products. Um, but just like anything, when it comes to sex, variety is the spice of life. So you can, you know, condition your body and your nervous system to become a little more reliant on certain types of stimulation. So if you use your vibrator really regularly, for example, over time, you might realize that it's harder to build arousal as, you know, it's a bit harder than it used to be to build arousal without it because you're myelinating, you're reinforcing a certain neural pathway where you know really intense vibration feels really great and builds arousal really quickly and it's the same with anything you know if you only have sex in one position or use the same type of porn or always rely on fantasy those certain tools will start to become easier and more effective for you so with anything variety variety is great use these things they're yeah. fantastic um but use them you know as one of your many as one of your many tools I love that. Oh, thank you. Yes, I have to say I completely agree. Sex tech is is the way to go. It's definitely a great thing to have in your toolbox. <laughs> Along with the breath work and the music and the movement and the sound. I mean, we could have, be having so much fun. <laughs> um, so, absolutely. So self-discovery and sex self-acceptance are an important part of our sex life to have a healthy sex life those two things are important so is there anything that you can advise any practices that you can share to help people with that so you've said that self-pleasure is important and playing around with sound and movement etc but is there anything that we can do to just help us with self-acceptance maybe with body image because i know that's something that holds a lot of people back um and is that would that be considered like a part of of your work Absolutely. Yeah, I think one of the biggest mistakes that we can make is putting sexuality and our sexual health in this little box that's separate from everything else that goes on in our life. You know, how we view ourselves, our confidence, you know, how we're doing at work, you know, how we view ourselves, you know, as a mother, as a partner, all of these things that impact our sex life because you know, if we're feeling stressed or not very good about ourselves for whatever reason, that's going to impact our desire and, you know, our sex drive and our desire for sex. And it's going to impact how able we are to feel confident and to surrender mm. and enjoy ourselves and to connect to others. So it's all really interrelated. Our mental health, our physical health, our sexual health, they all really, really impact each other. And body image is a huge part of that when it comes to sex for a lot of people. Because obviously, you know, you're getting naked, you're getting vulnerable, you're showing you're really showing your most vulnerable side to yourself in many ways because yeah is all about surrendering you know and you don't know what's going to happen sometimes in the orgasm <laughs> so it's all about vulnerability and yeah body image is a huge part of that um and so yeah in terms of tips for body image I guess one big one is knowing that body confidence or body positivity or whatever you want to call it is an ongoing journey you know you don't wake up one day and just go I've done it, I've reached it, you know, here I am, mission achieved, you know, I can put that in the like the done bucket because your body's constantly changing, your mental health's constantly changing and you might, and it's not linear. 
So I guess that's one thing is to appreciate the ebbs and flows and it doesn't mean you're back at square one if suddenly one day you wake up and you're just not feeling very at home in your body. Um, it is an ongoing journey. Um, and there's lots of different things that work for different people. Um, some common ones that I you know that I hear have worked really beautifully for different people is things like sleeping naked and feeling more comfortable in your naked body. Um, you know, in non-sexual contexts, like when you're sleeping, like around the house, um, people going to, you know, more public spaces is a bit more of an extreme version, like nude beaches and things like that have been really amazing and transformative, just accepting all of the variety of bodies. Uh, and anything where you have to move your body as well, you know, and really appreciate what your body is capable of, so dance, uh, swimming, sport, yoga, anything where you have to use and move your body is great for appreciating all of the things that it can do and sort of feeling more connected to it. Mm, I love that. I think they're all such great suggestions. Just being with your naked body in, like you said, non-sexual settings and seeing that it's okay. Like Because I think often we catastrophize what we think we look like or we look in the mirror and we just focus in on the things we hate and we, you know, we can't take anybody's comments on board because we just believe a certain way about ourselves but like you said by just being in your naked body a bit hanging out a little bit maybe daring to be public with it if you feel that way <laughs> I've done that a couple of times and I found it quite transformative the first time I went to a nude beach I had to get there early because for me the idea of undressing <laughs> was like too much <laughs> I I'm happy that. to just yeah. be naked yeah <laughs> that yeah, idea felt right. way too vulnerable to just take the clothes off <laughs> yeah it's the thing that's the hard bit you know and you psych yourself up about it and then you're like oh, I'm naked and then two minutes later you've forgotten that you're naked because everyone yeah. else is naked <laughs> oh my goodness yeah, Thank God, you. No, no one's looking yeah, no one's looking. I just had another I just I just reminded I've just been reminded of another naked scent like experience I went on a hike a naked hike with 20 other ladies and we were led by a life coach and this was really exciting and quite scary as well so we all slept overnight in a beautiful cave and it was like a very spiritual experience and we drank water from the waterfall and we were all prepared and then we were taken off led by a lady on horseback and um, in a protected area where we knew there would be nobody else around and um, on private land we walked through a forest to the a horse, lake the horse ride wasn't naked no the horse rider was dressed <laughs> okay okay carry on <laughs> she kept her clothes on <laughs> she had a walk okay. talking and she was like checking in with everybody else to make sure like there was no one on the land and then we walked with our clothes on to a clearing and then we all chanted together and undressed and that was really like oh nerve-wracking we undressed we put our clothes in the bag then we just had a rucksack and boots <laughs> it was so funny initially everyone just kind of looked down at the floor um didn't want to look at each other and then within five minutes we were just walking around chatting having a great time um and by the time we reached the lake at the end we all got in this cold water and then it was all a little bit like you know, trying to be private at first and then someone splashed somebody and then we ended up just splashing, singing and it was 
amazing. We didn't want to put our clothes back on, actually. <laughs> Yay. Yay, that sounds like such an amazing transformative material. Yeah, I'm so, uh, experience. I'm such a huge fan of non-sexual nudity for so many different reasons. And yeah, body confidence and the freeing, the freedom of it. And, you know, I like that they ritualized it. You know, I talk about undressing rituals quite a lot. Um, because oh. as you as you described, undressing is really vulnerable and it's really scary and it's actually often the, the unveiling of our body that's the scariest part for a lot of people. And if you think about insect insects, often, you know, we just try and get undressed as quickly as possible, you know, and then that's done yeah. and then we're on to the next thing. And undressing rituals are designed to sort of bring some more intention to to that act and really deciding on like what would feel the most exciting or nurturing way to undress and so for example having your partner undress you really slowly and with a lot of care where you can say like which part of your body you want to be unveiled next and you're in control and they're doing the undressing for example or doing it to yourself in front of the mirror a very different experience and so really you know or doing it together where you each take off one part of you know your clothing first and you're watching each other you can really be quite creative and the, wow. the effect of them is really different. Um, so yeah, undressing rituals and putting some intentionality behind it. I love that that's what your experience got you to do was really ritualize the experience. Yeah, but I've never heard of an unveiling ritual. I think that sounds amazing. It kind of gives me like goosebumps. It's almost more vulnerable than having sex. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. In my mind, I can see that that could feel that way because it's like we go through the motions often when we're having sex. We do the same things. And you're right. We either very quickly undress or we rip each other's clothes off or we're already naked, you know. Um, But if if you actually intentionally slow down and decide what to unveil, that just, wow, that's really intimate. Even if it's you and a mirror, I can imagine that is incredibly Mm. powerful. Wow, Absolutely. thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. Well, the idea of a strip tease is the most terrifying thing in the world, you know, dancing and stripping and being sexy yeah. and being cheeky, and it's just too too much. So finding something in the, that's for you, you know, that's at your pace, you know, that's yeah. still this moment of unveiling your body, like what a gift, but it doesn't need to be. The strip tease is how we perceive it. It's still a strip tease, but done in, in your way. So, yeah, very powerful stuff. Ooh, yeah, that gave me goosebumps because I love a strip tease. I love burlesque. I love watching strip stripping. Mm. I think it's really exciting to watch. It is funny, isn't it? I've never really taken the time to sit and think about the power of removing clothes, apart from that moment when I was taking my clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> but it really, it is a big deal. So I love that you've included that. Hmm. Hello, like a low-key striptease, but in fact, even more vulnerable, it feels like, wow. Yeah, yeah, you mm-hmm. just, just made all these like yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, Alice, so could you tell us a little more about you and how you got into this work and how people can come and work with you? Sure, so as I, as you, I think we said at the beginning, I'm based in Australia now, um, but I do work with people online as well, so it doesn't rule you out those international listeners and I got into this work as I said I've always been interested fascinated actually by human sexuality and also the fact that it's such a taboo and silence and shame-filled world and I've really 
just don't understand why and I just find these topics are interesting and rewarding to talk about um, and I got into it slowly um, starting in the sort of sex tech space so I worked for a sex tech and telehealth company and started doing some study within the sort of sex tech and startup world and I started hosting workshops online workshops um, starting with groups of women and brought different professionals in to talk about different topics of sex and wellness. I called it Valvo Dialogues and I'd invite, you know, doctors and psychologists and kink educators and um, menopause specialists and BDSM and escorts and anyone who would come to talk about these topics. And when doing that, I realized that is where what I want to be doing. I don't want to just be hosting these spaces and facilitating these spaces. I want to be the person with the answers. So that's when I started yeah. to study with the Institute of Somatic Sexology. Um, and yeah, I guess on a personal note as well, um, I when I moved to Australia, and this is something which I've heard quite a lot from my clients, often this moment of big change is what motivates people to really start to explore their own sexuality, whether it's a divorce or a relationship breakdown or a move abroad or, you know, a big life change is often enough of a permission for people to go, I really want to explore this side of myself. And that mm. was the case for me when I moved to Australia. Um, and I did my whole own personal exploring. You know, I came out as bisexual. I discovered you know, all of these sides of my sexuality that I had previously not explored. And I felt I had a very felt lived experience of how that was changing me, how much more confidence mm -hmm. I had at work, how much more power I had in, in my voice and expressing myself. And I was like, wow, this is this isn't just a. A, you know a small part of ourselves that should be locked away this is a huge part of who we are and when we yeah. explore it we become a, a healthier fuller version of ourselves um and so yeah it was a personal lived experience combined with just my professional interest in psychology and sexuality and sex tech and all of that which kind of combined together uh into motivating me and I've been doing this full-time for almost a year now so I was doing it part-time for a little while and then last year waved corporate life and marketing and uh, startups and advertising goodbye and I've been doing it full time ever since so it's, it's incredible. incredible yeah congratulations please tell us more about the vulva dialogues like where can we find that mm. yeah so vulva dialogues as a platform still exists I still do online workshops either weekly or fortnightly, covering lots and lots of different topics it's now open to all genders and sexualities but the name lives on um, so you can find it at vulvadialogues.com. It will redirect you to alicechild.com.ie, but at the same website. Um, and you'll find places to buy tickets for those weekly sessions. Um, and I also do body confidence art classes and things like that as well. Um, and the same platform is where I offer my one-on-one -on -one coaching uh, with individuals and couples. And I also have couples programs, which have been really popular this year, which is essentially an ongoing bespoke program for that specific couple's needs and goals, because everyone's so different. So I curate a bespoke course, which is a combination of working with me one-on-one, -on -one, but also as a three with the couple. Um, and you also get lots of videos and games and exercises and home play to do in your own time. 
Amazing, amazing. And you mentioned that um, when you were talking about Volvo Dialogues um, art, is that something that you find mm -hmm. is um, a powerful like modality or, or therapy kind of? I think of the right word, art therapy. Mm. <laughs> Does that include yeah. painting walls or what is that all about? It sure does, Lisa. It sure <laughs> does. Yeah, I'm yes. a huge fan of bringing together creativity with education. I've always been creative. I love to paint. I love to sculpt. I love to use my hands. So for me, it felt like a very natural combination because when people are you know, getting into their creative flow state, they get a little less embarrassed they're, you know, feeling a little bit more, you know, clued in with their body and they're more able to have vulnerable conversations. So I do a lot of collaborations with creative spaces, life drawing spaces, classes, painting studios, lava painting, body painting, things to be able to have a fun activity. Um, but then you also get body pos positivity, confidence tips and tricks, sex education, genital anatomy education, all of the sex ed that you should have got at school but in a fun, creative sort of workshop format. So Amazing. yeah, lots of different, Volvo painting has been done <laughs> in different forms. I love it. <laughs> oh, and so if I wanted to join or anybody listening from around the world wants to join, is that something that we can be part of from anywhere in the world? Um, so most of the creative workshops that I've done have been in person, but they can absolutely be done online. It just means you have to get your own materials and resources from home. Um, but it absolutely can be. And you know, that's what lockdown taught us all is how yes. great online workshops can be. And that's when I started my workshops was early 2020, which is why oh. they started online was through the okay. pandemic and um so yeah lots of them have been done online and, and can be okay great well i think that's something you should reconsider doing soon because i would love to join a workshop <laughs> like that <laughs> i love painting i always tend to paint boobs um not very well necessarily but boobs seem to be the thing i paint a lot but i i'm also partial to a little bit of painting vulvas that's also my second favorite subject mm -hmm. matter <laughs> Well, we should. Well, let's do it. Let's do one. If enough of your listeners go, yes, I will join. We can have a Vulva Dialogues Vulva Painting Special. Yes. Okay, I'll make it happen, Alice. I'll I'll make rally the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so you said your website is alicechild.com, Is that correct? Yeah, alicechild.com.au or vulvadialogues.com. Okay. They both direct the same website. So you'll find the okay. same website whichever way you search. Fantastic. And on, on socials, are you on the socials? Can people come and find you there? Yeah. Instagram at vulvadialogues is me. Vulva Dialogues. I love it. I love it. I just imagine these vulvas having little chats because they kind of have the right <laughs> physical anatomy. <laughs> yeah, they, have, they have lips. <laughs> they have lips. <laughs> and there is a connection right between the vocal cords and the pelvis i've heard there's like the um the enteric nervous system you know there's a reason why well maybe this is tmi i can say there's a reason why deep throating can be so orgasmic you know <laughs> yeah not tmi <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Anything all that opens the throat. All connected. Exactly. Mm. I'm all about sounding. 
I love it. Well, I love the name Vulva Dialogues. I think it's really funny. It's not only funny, it's awesome, but it also it, it amuses me. I think it works really well. <laughs> oh, Anybody with questions yeah. or any genitals are welcome. Well, thank you, Alice. I'm so grateful that you spent this time with us today. It's been wonderful getting to know you more and understanding your work. And I cannot wait to share this conversation with everybody and hear all of their questions. But yeah, until next time, I will say adieu. And we are going to do this workshop. Just watch this space. I'm looking forward, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It'll happen. Paint in need. Here we come. <laughs> Here we come. <laughs> Thanks, Alice. <laughs>